0: Come on, good morning. How we feeling? Anybody show with some expectation today that God can meet them where they're at? Ooh, two of you, three of you. Can I get about 10 people that would say, I believe that God's going to show up and meet us in a great way today? Come on. What a beautiful honor it is for me to be here. I'm, my name is Chris, if we've not met before, and I get to serve this church as playing a part in just teaching and preaching. And I just, I love what God is doing here. I, I really do. I, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to be a part of something that is bigger than myself and, 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 and really healthy. I know that's not really the word that, that people would use in an introduction, but I got to tell you, I, I love, I love that the pastors of this house feel safe enough and wise enough to take a break. Is anyone grateful for their pastors? Come on, how many of you are like, I, I want them to be our pastors for as long as possible. So, so the fact that they would take a break, man, that's, that's a beautiful thing. Because when you think about it, what they're modeling for us is not only how to be a pastor, but how to be a human. How to be a successful human, man. It, it it takes resting. It it takes breaks. And I just think it would be wise wise of us to take a moment and celebrate who our pastors are, Pastor Jeremy and Jen right now. Can we thank God for them? Come on. It it, it really blesses me that, that they're that they're resting the way that they are. And I'm highlighting it because I just think it's something that we should we should celebrate and even lean in on and figure out in ways we could we could do the same in our in our own lives and I love this series we've been in on the book of Proverbs. Wasn't, wasn't last Sunday's sermon just so powerful with Pastor Charlotte? Come on, that was an incredible, incredible word. I'm, I'm excited to continue on with this series, really because not only do I love the book of Proverbs, but when we were discussing the series, they said pick whichever verse you feel to speak on. So I picked a verse that's actually one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. And I've actually never been able to preach a message specifically and solely on this verse, even though this verse shows up in probably almost every sermon I've ever preached. It's just one of those sermons. I just, I reference it all the time. And, and I'm just, I'm really excited today because here, here's what I believe is going to happen. I believe that those that you have been serving, those that have been faithful to follow God, I believe that God is going to honor you today. And I believe that he's going to speak to you today. And then I believe there are going to be others that you've been on the fence questioning whether or not this is something you want to be a part of. And when I say something, I'm, I'm referring to Christianity. I, I believe that you're going to catch a revelation today that this is not only a good way, it is the way. Yeah. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty says, a faithful person will be richly blessed. Come on, that's a promise right there. A faithful person will be richly blessed. Yeah, you can can celebrate that. A faithful person will be richly blessed. I want to take the next few moments, and I want to speak to you from this idea. Be faithful, be blessed. Be faithful, be blessed. Come on, let's pray one more time. Holy Spirit, speak. Amen. Come on, that's a good prayer, right? <laughs> a few years ago, I was, I was preaching locally. I'm born and raised in New York. And I was actually preaching in Manhattan, in the uptown part of Manhattan, in a neighborhood called Harlem. And as I was traveling to go preach at this church, I had a couple of my guys with me, a couple of my friends. And, and it, was, it, was, it was a beautiful Moment, even though it didn't feel like that in the moment, but but years later, I look back at it, and it was such a it was such a good educational moment for me as a as a young man. I mean, I'm I'm not so young. I'll I'll be 40 in August, but but someone that's older than me would say, "Well, you're still young." But if you're 16, 18, like you know, my son is 16. He he thinks I'm old. It was one of those moments. It was one of those moments that I always. Reference to and remember that I never, I never get too far ahead of myself. I, I was in the car, and I had three of my friends with me. And as we're driving, one of them receives a text message from his wife. Immediately, he calls her. I could hear that he's panicking. He gets off the phone. He says, "Stop the car! I got to get out right here because I got to go home." Well, we said, "Okay, no problem." But what happened? He goes. Well, my my baby fell off the bed. And he was a new father. In the car, you had me and another friend who was the same age. He had three kids, he has three kids. I have two kids. I have a 16-year-old and a, a 13-year-old. Another guy that was in the car, his name is Al. Al travels with me everywhere. Al not only has three children, but he has four grandchildren. Needless to say that that the young man was speaking to people that had a little bit more experience than him. So he says, stop the car, I gotta go home. My baby fell off the bed. And we're looking at him going, oh, we're, we're so sorry, but at the same time we're thinking all of our babies have fallen off the bed. If, if you're a parent and you're not afraid to tell the truth, can you shout amen? Yeah. So Al, the most experienced father in the room, he he says, man, I just want you to know that it's okay. All of my children have fallen off the bed. In fact, all of my grandchildren have fallen off the bed. I I just want you to know that you're going to be okay. Everything is going to work out. The young father, full of fear, responds immediately and he says, and I quote, you don't get it. You couldn't possibly understand, just mind your business. You couldn't possibly understand, just mind your business, which reminded me of another proverb, by the way, Proverbs 16, 22 says, wisdom is a fountain of life to the wise, but trying to educate stupid people is a waste of time. Come on, how many of you love when the Bible just says it for you? Like I like, yo, that New York preacher's rude. I'm not rude, I'm just preaching the Bible, you know. <laughs> it, what it's saying is that, is that wisdom is a fountain of life to, to those that are willing to accept it. But it's foolishness, it's it's foolishness to those that think they got it all figured out on their own. I just think that's imperative to state that if you're younger, you have a whole lot to learn from those that are older. If you're new to this, you have a whole lot to learn from those that have been on the journey. If If you're trying to figure it out, the best thing you could do is position yourself under those that have figured out where you've already been because the truth is no one has completely figured it out however there are those that have figured out what I'm currently trying to figure out in this time and place in my own life and as I was thinking of this verse the faithful Shall be richly blessed. I, I I immediately I immediately started to started to think of this of this woman this this woman that I've read about in the Bible this this woman who is a powerful figure and example of exactly what this verse is saying. The faithful shall be richly blessed. And she doesn't have a name. Well, she does, but we don't know her name. She's referred to as the Shunammite woman. And before I tell her story, I believe that she would preface us, she would preface this moment by by simply saying, before I tell you my story, I just want you to know that when you are faithful to God, he's faithful to you. Now, this is coming from experience. This is this is coming from experience. I believe she would just say, listen, I, I know where you are right now because I've been there. But, but trust me, if you remain faithful through it, young person, if you remain faithful through it, young parent, if you remain faithful through it, new grandparent, if you remain faithful through it, entrepreneur, if you remain faithful through it, new CEO, I promise if you remain faithful faithful to God, he'll be faithful to you. Which side note, it would be remiss of us to not listen to those that have gone before us but if I'm being honest, I think that's actually one of the greatest tension points of this generation. It's it's a generation that believes they know better and what a lie and what a sad mistake because if they just knew that there are those that have already lived it They'll be able to know more. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8 through 17. It's a powerful story. It says, now there came a day when Elisha went over to Shinnom. Everybody say Shinnom. That's a fun word to say where there was a prominent and influential woman and she persuaded him to eat a meal. I I, I love that part because if you were just to read that by by itself, it could sound a little bit sketchy. You know what I mean? Like there's a there's a rich woman and she persuaded a prophet to eat a meal like, you know, it's kind of like she's hitting on him. But that's not the case. That's that's not the case. Okay. I mean, maybe you're a little bit more saved than me and you don't read it that way. However, um, I want to point out. That this woman is an incredible woman of God. And I love the fact that it says that she's influential and prominent. Because somewhere along the line within poor communication, within Christianity, there is this idea that money is evil and rich people can't be saved. I know we don't really say it, but but, but somehow, some way, we believe it. And, and it's really because people have misquoted the words of Jesus when he says it is difficult for a rich person to be saved. In fact, it is easier for a camel to travel through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to be saved. But he only says it's difficult. He doesn't say it's impossible which this is important to know because this woman is a woman of God and she has influence and she has money and she's using all of it for the sake of the kingdom says, afterward, whenever he passed by, he stopped there for a meal. And she said to her husband, behold, I sense that this is a holy man of God who frequently passes our way. In other words, honey, this man is the real deal. And he is pursuing ministry. And he's helping others. And I just, I feel like we should do something for him. She says, please, let's make a small, fully walled upper room on the housetop. In other words, let's build him a penthouse. So she doesn't only have money, she has money, money, okay? She goes, let's put a bed there for him with a table and a chair and a lampstand. Then whenever he comes to visit us, he could turn in there. In other words, this man who is being a blessing to us, we want to be a blessing to him. Verse 11 says, one day he came there and turned into the upper room and laid down to rest. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Look at it. This This is it right here. Now he said to Gehazi, say to her now, you have gone to all this trouble for us. What can I do for you? What can I do for you? Would you like to be mentioned to the king or to the captain of the army? She answers, I live among my own people in peace. And security and need no special favors. In other words, thanks, but no thanks. I'm I'm good. I'm I'm good. Later Elisha said, What then what then is it to be done for her? What is it to be done? For her? I love it because he's not letting it go. He's like this woman has been a blessing to me. I'm going to be a blessing to her. I'm not. I'm not going to let it go. He says Geh- Gehazi answered, "Well, she has no son, and her husband is old." He says, "Perfect. Call her. Call her." So Gehazi called her, and she came and she stood in the doorway. Which I want to point out another proverb that this suggests to us in Proverbs 11:25. It says, "A generous person will prosper. A generous person." will prosper notice it doesn't say a wealthy person will prosper because just because you have wealth does not mean you have generosity but when you have generosity you will prosper because this is how humanity pushes forward what i give what i get i give to others in hopes that they go and pay it forward and forward and beyond them why because the generous the generous is how we learn to live why because our salvation is contingent on what generosity a generous person will prosper whoever refreshes others will be refreshed do you see how powerful this is when given the opportunity she says no but the man of God won't let it go you know why because generosity is persistent I'm not going to just give you what you tell me you need I'm going to figure out a way to bless you and that's exactly how it works. Why? Because the faithful will be richly blessed, even when they don't ask for it. It goes on to say, Elisha said at this season, next year, you will embrace the sun. Look at her response. No, my Lord. No, my Lord, O oh man of God, do not lie to your maidservant, servant. Oh. Oh, man, a God. No, no, no. Do not lie to your maidservant. No, no, no. She's not being disrespectful. She's not being rude, but it is obvious. It is obvious that here is a woman who seemingly has it all, but does not have the one thing she wants, a child. She she wants a child because she wants to have a family, and here she is way beyond the time, the time period which she thought she could have a family, and now she's being told she would have a family. So, when she hears the promise when she hears the declaration understand that she's not being rude she's simply speaking from a place of fractured faith she's faithful but her faith is fractured she's faithful but her faith is fractured she she's faithful to serve but here's what she's saying don't don't play with my emotions do huh? Don't promise me because I prayed for this one before. I I hoped for a family. I I had a vision board. I thought thought that my family, my life would look differently and it doesn't. And now after all these years, you're telling me what I thought I would get in one season, I'm now going to get in this season. And I love it because although that's her response, her response does not predict the outcome because the response she's already given has positioned her for what's about to come so even though she can't fully receive it because she's been faithful she's going to receive it ready or not it goes on to say Elisha said at this season next year you will embrace the son she says no oh man of God do not lie to your maidservant and then look at verse 17 but the woman conceived and gave birth to a son at that season the next year just as he had said there are some of you You thought your season was over? You thought your season was expired? He said, no, no, it's it's still coming. In fact, it's not even going to come now because even if it came now, it's going to seem a bit too late. I'm going to do it even later so I could blow your mind just a little bit more because I'm not the God that does what you expect. I'm the God that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you could ever ask think or imagine. Allow me to be God and I need you to keep being you. I need you to keep serving me and I promise I will serve you. I'll take care of what you cannot handle as long as you keep handling what I put in your hand. I want you to go on ahead and write this down. Serve faithfully and be blessed bountifully. Serve faithfully and be blessed bountifully. Here is a woman that had everything but did not have the one thing she wanted most. And what was the key in order for her to get what she wanted? Serve That doesn't seem to make sense. It would have seemed like she could have done a whole lot of other things in order to, to become pregnant. But God says all you have to do is serve me. And I'll allow you to give birth what you no longer thought was coming to you. But look at Proverbs 8, 18, 16. It says a man's gift or a woman's gift makes room for him, makes room for her, and brings him, brings her before the great because this woman was Faithful to use her gifting, it put her in the presence of people that could bless her beyond her comprehension. Can I tell you that one of the biggest mistakes that people make is spreading themselves thin? They're trying to do everything to become everything. And I am telling you, if you take the gifting that God gave you and you are faithful to operate in that gifting and you are faithful to serve in that gifting, I promise you it will bring you around people that you wouldn't even correlate to the gift that he's given you. But can I tell you that greatness recognizes greatness? So therefore, there are people you're admiring what they have, but they're looking at you admiring what you do because they don't do what you do and they don't have what you have. Therefore, they're saying, I want to learn from them. So what happens is your gift, it will position you around people that are greater in in position than you and as a result can bless you. This is why you don't have to strive. You don't have to manipulate. You don't have to appear. You just have to do. Friends, can I tell you that perception is not reality? But servanthood will blow your mind. She had a gift, and she worked the gift. Well, what was her gift? That she had money? No, that wasn't her gift. Her gift is that she had generosity. There's a great difference. Her gift, you ready, was hospitality. Because she was hospitable. Her hospitality allowed her, allowed her to bring, to be in the room of a great man, of God. And here's the crazy part. The room that she ended up in was her room. Your gift will not only bring you into great rooms, it will allow your rooms to turn greater. It will allow what you already possess. It will allow your investment to grow and to become greater than what it is. And this is important to note because some of you overlook hospitality and you would minimize it as if it wasn't a true gift or a great gift. See, if you've grown up in the Pentecostal church or the charismatic church or the non-denominational church, there are all these gifts that we, that we talk about and we emphasize more than others. And all the gifts are great. But but some would emphasize prophecy or, or speaking in tongues or, or words of knowledge as if these are the supreme gifts or, or the gift of healing. Those are all great gifts, but can I tell you that no gift is greater than the other? And if you were to embrace the gift that you were given, you would end up in greater rooms than the ones you're currently sitting in, as opposed to looking at what someone else has Just embracing what you already possess. 1 Peter 4, 9 says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. This is why when we talk about Serve Day, we're not just trying to get a whole bunch of people to show up so that we can make a really cool video. We're trying to get the church to show up so that the church could be the church. What is the church? A community of imperfect people that serve a perfect God that say, because he did everything for me, I'll use Use what I have and I'll give it to him. If I have the gift of singing, I'll sing. If I have the gift of administration, I'll administrate. If it's the gift of teaching, I'll teach. If it's the gift of hospitality, I'll be hospitable. That's exactly what I will do because of everything that God has done for me. And for the one that minimizes your gift of hospitality or administration, I want you to know that that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Romans 12 verse 6 says we have different gifts according to the grace given. In other words, your gift is God's grace bestowed upon you uh, the great, to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesying in accordance with your faith. Look at it. If it is serving, then serve. I love that prophecy and serving stand shoulder to shoulder. And Paul the apostle was intentional in writing it that way. Do you know why? Because Paul did not see one gift as greater than the other. And one gift seems more spiritual than the other. But when I look at the life of Jesus, he came what? He did not come to be served. He came to serve. Every time you are serving in your gift, every time you are serving in hospitality, you are the most like Jesus possible you are not like Jesus because you speak like him you are like Jesus because you live like him when you sacrifice when you give when you when you serve and here I say all that to say this can you imagine if everyone was a prophet Go this way, go that way, go this way, go that way. I had a dream. No, I had a dream. I saw a dove. I saw a whale. Everyone has all these dreams, all these different imageries. This is why if you were to study the Old Testament, there wasn't wasn't thousands of prophets. There was a prophet that spoke to a king which impacted a nation. You didn't have all these prophets. You had a prophet or a handful of prophets. So in other words, not everyone could be a prophet but everyone could be a servant and that's how easy God makes it for us to be faithful God I want to be blessed great be faithful well what do I got to do serve how do I serve I don't know show up to serve day join the team helping the youth ministry, helping the children's department, helping production, helping parking lot. there are so many different ways that we could serve and God is making it that easy he says because your gift will make room for you and the faithful will be richly blessed but God I want to be richly blessed great then serve me faithfully because the byproduct of faithful serving is faithful blessing and he goes I I so desire to bless you I so desire to provide for you. I I so desire to blow your mind. I want you to write this down. Serve full of faith and be joyous before being blessed. Serve full of faith and be joyous before being blessed. I only say that because it is possible to be faithful and faithless at the same time it is possible to be faithful but faithless at the same time and some of you have walked away from serving faithfully because you've lost faith in your future you haven't lost faith for God you just have lost faith for God for yourself You have lost faith in the fact that God would have more for you. You believe that God has more for everybody else. You have no problem celebrating other people's stories and other people's blessings. But at some point, there was a threshold that you crossed, and there was a time period that you passed, and you thought there's no way that God's going to do this for me. He no longer has this for me. And he's saying, are you kidding me? I want you to keep serving me. I have so much more to bless you with. But that's the duality of it right there. We can't be faithful to to God on our time schedule and say, well, if you don't bless me until, until, if you don't bless me now, then I'm not going to keep serving. That's not faithfulness. Saying, "I, I want you to faithful, be faithful, even when you don't get what you want. That's a good question. Can you be faithful even when you don't get what you want? Even when life doesn't look how you want it to look, can you be faithful? Because this is the part that we have to stop and celebrate of this woman. It is obvious that she did not get what she wanted from God, and yet she continues to serve God. She continues to worship God, and if I'm being honest, if there was ever a word that I wanted to preach to a generation, it is that right there. A word that would say, come hell or high water, I'm going to serve the Lord. For me and my household, regardless of what the devil throws my way, I'm going to serve the Lord, even when I don't get what i want from God, I'm still going to honor God. I'm still going to praise God. I long at the end of my life to hear the very famous words, well done good and faithful servant. Well done good and faithful servant. When you could have given up, you didn't give up. When you wanted to quit, you did not quit. When you didn't feel like worshiping, you lifted up your hands anyway. When you didn't feel like singing, you sang anyway. When you didn't feel like tithing, you tithed anyway. When you showed up on your only day off and you showed up to serve, anyway. Well done, good and faithful servant. What God is looking for is a generation that is not looking to be famous, but a generation that is willing to be faithful. And he says, son, daughter, if you're faithful to me, I'm I'm faithful to you. If you're faithful to me, I'm faithful to you. But, But here's the thing. You don't have to serve me faithfully and begrudgingly. I'm glad you showed up physically, but but where's your faith? Where's your joy? Where's your, where'd it go? Because as much as I love about this woman, it is very obvious of this woman's own humanity. I know this. Because how come the first time, the first time, she is asked, what do you want? She says, nothing. What can I do for you? She takes the route of, of, of humility. Uh, that's false humility. That's not real humility. You know what you want, but you don't want to ask, not because you don't want to be a burden, but because you think it's not possible. You're not asking, you stopped asking because because you don't think that God's gonna do it. I thought God was gonna save my children 10 years ago, so I stopped praying for it. I thought God was gonna restore my marriage five years ago, so I stopped praying for it. I thought God was gonna breathe on the business 20 years ago, so I stopped praying for it. I thought God was gonna respond to the seed that I sowed 20 years ago, so I stopped sowing it. Our responses are, are telling Want to hear the Holy Spirit saying, son, daughter, there is no expiration date on my blessings. I will bless you in the seasons that you thought were not possible in. I will talk to you in moments that you thought you were going to be doing something else in. I know your plan was to retire over here, but I'm going to give you a child at this season. I'm going to give you more in this season. I, I know you wanted it at 30, but you would steward it way better at 50. I'm just going to I'm gonna do it for you now. I know you wanted a blessing on your business when you were 25, but there was a maturity that you needed and a blessing at 45 that God, that I would be able to use in a greater and mightier way. See, my friends, there is a fine line of being content in your faith and being convinced that your faith cannot produce more. He says, I don't only want you to be content in your faithfulness to me, but I need you to be convinced that I'm the God that is able to provide and do exceedingly and abundantly, more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. And here's the thing, you keep serving me, you're gonna be blessed. Why, because it's a promise. Be faithful, be blessed. Here's a promise, a generous person will prosper and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I love that this woman, this woman, this Shunammite woman, thinks that all she's doing is making room for the man of God to rest. Not realizing that the man of God's rest is going to lead her to a new place of resting. Which is incredible because do you know that the name Shunamm The name Shunem literally translates to two resting places. Not double rest, even though I'm all for double rest. The word picture is two resting places. So if if this woman only provided the prophet with a place to rest and her not be able to receive a place to rest for herself, it would not have been indicative of the name. But because the name is true to the name, because she offers this man to find a place to rest, then in return, what does she get? Rest. Why? Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Refreshed. She thought she was providing an upper room. And God was trying to touch her upper room. You know that term upper room is, if you're grown up in the charismatic church, growing up in the Pentecostal church, you, that's, a, that's a buzzword for you. You're upper room, you're ready to shout, run, leap, roll, laugh, fire tunnel it up. Some of you have no clue what that means. Find you a Pentecostal and ask him later. But it's a little bit more than that. See, this term upper room, term upper room is synonymous with the book of Acts chapter 2 because that's where the Holy Spirit first fell on the day of Pentecost. And when the Holy Spirit first fell, it is said that the sound of a rushing wind filled the whole house, as noted in Acts 2, verses 1-2. through And the Greek word house is oikos and refers to a house or a living space. This living space was the upper room the term upper room also suggests that it's a part of a larger structure the room itself must have been fairly big because you are talking a minimum of 12 plus disciples living there and when the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost there were 120 people in the room as noted in Acts 1 verse 15 so not only was it a place of residence for the disciples this is the same room where they held the Lord's Supper as noted in Luke 22 verse 13 and nominated Matthias to be the next apostle it is also the room where Jesus appeared to the disciples as as noted in Mark 16, verses 14 through 16, and washed their feet, as noted in John 13, verses 1 through 7. It is also where the disciples gathered for prayer and worship after Christ ascended to heaven, as noted in Acts 1, verses 13 through 14. Well, why do you say all that? Because it is obvious that God likes to do work in upper rooms. And I believe that he is still looking to fill upper rooms today. Not just hundreds, not just thousands, but millions, billions of upper rooms. I do, I I believe that with all my heart. He wants to impact the upper room where each and every one of your thoughts, unmet prayer requests, frustrations, and emotions. Live. He says, because if I can impact this upper room, every other room connected to it, it'll change. So if I touch this upper room, the eyes of you, the, the room where your eyes sit, the, the filter of the lens in which you look through life, it'll be shifted, or or the filter in which you listen, or the filter which you speak, or the filter which you grab, or the filter which your heart paces, or the filter of your feet. All of it will be shifted. If I can touch this upper room, see because you've been faithful to me, the idea isn't just serve me, serve me. No, 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 as you refresh others. I want to refresh you. Why? Because the faithful will be richly blessed. Yeah, I could bless you with money, but how much greater? I want to bless your soul. I came to give you rest. I came to give you joy. I came to give you happiness. I want to meet you. I want to refresh your mind today. I want to refresh your spirit today because I am calling you, and there is an anointing on your life, and there is a calling on your life. I know people might refer to you as past the childbearing, but I'm saying in the spirit you're about to give birth to something greater than you could have ever expected and the next season of your life will be your best season of your life and this season where most people are failing and most people aren't able to move forward I'm saying son and daughter I am going to use you greatly because you've been faithful because you've been faithful because you've been faithful you've not been perfect but you've been faithful yes you fell down but you got back up you been faithful and as a result of it you will be blessed if there's anybody in the room that says i want all the blessing i want everything it is that god has for me lift up your hands open up your mouths and give jesus your best praise in this place come on i speak jesus but before we sing it i want to make sure that everyone is included if you're in this room and you don't know where you stand with jesus maybe you're watching online you don't know if you're saved or not but you want to be saved maybe this is your first time or maybe you're recommitting your life to jesus that's okay if you would say i I, I want to be saved i'm going to count to three if that's you i want you to shoot up your hand and here's all you need to know one Jesus loves you, and he died specifically for you. Two, it's also important to know that tomorrow is not promised to any man or any woman, but the Bible also does say that today is the day of salvation. So if you're trying to figure out if it's the right time in your life, I promise you, you couldn't have picked a better time than today. If that's you, lift up your hand now. Three, lift it up. Yep, yep, yep. Keep it up, keep it up, yep. Yep, yep. We see you. Yep. All of you that have your hands lifted up, I want you to repeat this with me. In fact, let's repeat it together. Say, Jesus. Jesus, you are king. You are Lord. Forgive me of my sins and all my wrongdoing. Thank you for dying for me. Three days later, rising again. I love you. I want to live faithful for you. Show me how. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for every person that gave their lives to Jesus? Now, if you're in agreement with this word, Romans talks about every day we need to renew our minds, every day we need a refreshing of our thoughts. If you would say, I need this for my own life. Would you just put one hand on your upper room? Come on, place that hand on that upper room right now and lead us in this song. Let's declare this over us right now.